are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Thank you, Laura, for reading for us. First scripture reading of the new year. There's a pastor in the cities that I know who refers to this time this part of the year as hello, goodbye. We're saying goodbye to 2021 and hello to the new year. And I think it's a fun coincidence that we finished 2021 with Luke chapter 2 and the Christmas story. And now we start the new year with this passage from Paul in Ephesians 3. And I say that it's a fun coincidence because Paul and Luke were traveling buddies. If you read in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, you'll see certain portions where it says, we, we went here, we did this. And that is Luke saying, I was along for the ride. They were on the road together. Luke, the doctor, the physician, accompanied Paul on some of his missionary journeys. The Germans have a saying. How many of you had German in middle school or high school? All right, here's your chance to dust it off. You ready? Nice and slow. Wenn jemand eine Reise tut, kann er was erzählen. Right, one more time. Wenn jemand eine Reise tut, kann er was erzählen. And that means when someone takes a journey, he can tell some stories. And I think that was true of Paul and Luke. And I think it's true for us today too as followers of Jesus. Every January at the start of the year, we pause on this Sunday take a big, deep, collective breath together to tell the story of the Y Church and what God has done here. We by no means do that to boast about any accomplishment of our own. That would be the last thing on our minds. We're just another local church in the hands of a mighty God. And our telling of this story is to boast in the Lord and to bring Him praise for what He has done. Or as Paul says in Ephesians 4, to Him be glory in the church. That is our line. The other reason, though, that we tell this story is that it reminds us of who we are. And you know this from some of you in the business world where you would have like a company mission statement. If we don't remind ourselves of who we are, we can very easily get off course. We remind ourselves, what is our mission? How has God wired us uniquely to serve him? What vision has he given us for this new year? So these are the things that we want to think about today, and I want to share a bit of Ephesians 3 with you. This passage, specifically verses 20 and 21, has been personally an important passage in recent weeks, and yet more generally, this passage was written for the church. 
It was written for us. In fact, Ephesians is one of the foremost places that we go in the New Testament for teaching on the church to find out what does it mean to be the people of God together. And I think we need this teaching as much as we ever have. In fact, I'd like to start there with what we might call a state of the church little summary before we look at the actual passage. I was reading the results of some research that kind of led me to this thought of sharing about the state of the church. The Lilly Endowment, I don't know if you've heard of the Lilly out of Indianapolis, but they have funded a multi-year project called Congregational Response to the Pandemic. And here are just briefly some of the key takeaways I wanted to share with you about the American church. So specifically our context, U.S.-based. Most congregations, 85%, are now offering in-person and online worship services. That's a huge increase over the past couple of years as churches have had to adapt to COVID and bring in new technology. And we're part of that statistic as well. And I look at our crew back there, Hunter Eno, Jacob Palm, Lane Kroos, making sure that we can minister to people both in person and those who are with us from home. But the fact of the matter is, and you see the statistics get a little bit more sobering as we work our way down the list, church attendance has declined 9% nationally from 2019 to 2021. And 30% of congregations are reporting what they would call a severe decline of 25% or more. So those are national figures. How about close to home? Does that square with life here? Here at the Y Church, we are... Maybe we think kind of getting back to what worship looked like in 2019. It might be too early to say. But I can tell you for sure across Elk River that this is the case. I don't know any of our area churches as we gather as pastors and priests in the community. We have lunch once a month together to encourage each other, pray for each other in our ministries. Nobody's bigger than they were in 2019. We are all smaller. And then inside the church, there's another set of challenges at play, whether it is Delta, Omicron, you pick your Greek letter, or it's just simply cultural shifts that have been accelerated, researchers acknowledge it is hard to predict future plans for activities such as fellowship events and religious education, which are still below pre-pandemic levels. So Elk River Ministerial Association will look at that line and say, yep, that's true. And we've noticed that here too. It's just the way it is, the state of the church. In summary, I would say, just where we're at culturally, it is easy to walk away from the church these days and probably getting easier. So these kinds of statistics on this first Sunday of the new year bring us to ask ourselves, why are we here? Let's remind ourselves of that. What, what are we doing here? Why are you and I not still in our pajamas Sleeping in on a cold Sunday morning like this. What are we here for? I think it's a great time to think about these things. And Paul leads us into the conversation by leading us into prayer. Starting in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. There are two things out of these verses here that stood out to me this week, and they are the words father and family. Because those words signify relationship. That I have a heavenly father and I belong to his family. 
Now we should remind ourselves, probably, that unlike the Far Side cartoons, some of you remember those, you know, God is not in long white hair and a long white beard and a robe superseding over the events of the earth. God the Father does not literally look like a father or a grandfather or have a body at all. No, God the Father is spirit. It's not contained in form. And yet, he has revealed himself to us specifically in father language. Isn't that interesting? What is he trying to tell us? And I want you to pair that with the dominant New Testament metaphor for the church being that of family. We're not literally sisters and brothers by blood, DNA related, but we are spiritually related in Christ. And you could argue that that is even deeper than blood. So these are the words that Paul uses to introduce, to preface this prayer that he has. Father and family. And there is a fervency about his prayer that's picked up in the posture that we see Paul take. What does it say? He kneels. He kneels. Now to you and I, maybe in an American caricature of prayer, that doesn't seem so striking. But to a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, this was not the norm. Their normal posture for prayer, if you were a Jewish man, you would stand and you would pray without stretched arms. All right? So what do we think of? Like, close your eyes, fold your hands. That's our go-to. That is how they prayed. And yet here, Paul cannot even stand. He falls to his knees as he brings these things before the Lord. John Stott, who passed away sometime in this last decade, said this in his Ephesians commentary, one of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambitions is to study the content of his prayers and the intensity with which he prays them. Right? Tells us a lot about our anxieties and ambitions. The intensity with which Paul prays is evident from the beginning. Now, as we keep looking at this verse a little while longer, let's look at the content. And when I outlined this passage this week, I felt like there's two main prayer requests. And the sentences that Paul writes are so long. Sometimes even in English, we're inserting periods where Paul just puts a comma and keeps going. It's the master of run-on sentences. But I see two main prayer requests emerging in verses 16 to 19. I want to share them with you in abbreviated form, both the action that God does, the thing Paul is asking God to do, and then also the result. And here is the first one. Paul says, I pray that, number one, he may strengthen you. And then the result, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. Paul's first prayer is that God would strengthen us. It's the word dunamai. The verb is dunamai, from which we get words like dynamite and dynamic. God I need your life in these bones. That's our prayer here. God, I need more than a pulse and a heartbeat. I need spiritual life. And how many of us might be entering this new year where that would be a prayer somewhere towards the top of our list? God, I need you to strengthen me. Next Sunday, we're going to start a message series in the book of Ezekiel called God Will Strengthen. Ezekiel, probably a lesser known but big book of the Old Testament, where that will be the theme. And we're going to examine these biblical principles about how God does this. How does God actively 
strengthen you in supernatural ways. That's Paul's first prayer for us. And note that it comes with a result. The purpose of God's strengthening is not so you can get bigger muscles or a better financial portfolio. It's not that kind of strengthening. No, God strengthens you so that Christ may dwell in your heart. It's interesting to note that there are two New Testament words for dwell. So which one did Paul pick here? Let me tell you about the two words, the options he had. The first is paroikeo, the second is katoikeo. And you can hear it's got the same root, but a different prefix. Paroikeo, katoikeo. And the prefix is what changes the nuance of the word, to dwell. So here's what the first one means. Paroikeo means to inhabit as a stranger. My wife and I picked up our Minnesota State Park Pass for this coming year, right? You go to the state park, you're probably not staying a long, long time. You're just there for a while, just to pitch a tent or put up your camper. You're going to be there for a day or a few days. It means this is temporary. I'm going to inhabit this place as a stranger, and then I'm going to move on. The other word, katoiketo, is the word that means to settle down and stay. I'm not pitching a tent. I'm going to make my home here. This is where I live. It's permanent. And as you can probably guess, what word does Paul choose? That Christ may dwell in your heart. He picks the permanent one. That Christ would be here to stay. And if I had to pick out something from this passage that sums up the Y Church story, I think it would be this part right here. We have been on a journey now for 12 years to see Christ make his home in people's hearts. That's it. In the spring of 2008, I graduated from seminary in Los Angeles. And a local church here, Central Lutheran Church in Elk River, had posted a job for someone to come and start new worshiping communities. None of us had any experience in it. I sure didn't, fresh out of school. Central didn't either, but they had been given this vision to plant new churches for one particular reason. And that is church planting is one of the most effective ways anywhere in the world to share Jesus with people who don't know him yet. And I really commend Central for this vision and desire to do it because, you know, that kind of move, you're taking resources and people and staff, you're not building your own empire your own square footage, but you are sending out missionaries into the community. That's exactly what Central wanted to do, and it has been a joy to see the fruition of that vision. So, at the time, we said, well, where are we going to do this? The Elk River YMCA had just been built in 2008, and we thought, what an ideal place to reach our neighbors and friends in this community. The Y on any given day Everything now is pre-pandemic, right, when you give statistics. But it was a 1,000 people a day would come through the doors of the Elk River YMCA. Kids to kids stuff, adults up to work out, maybe young people to play pickup basketball here in the gym, swim lessons. And we thought, what a great place to be the church. It's not a traditional church environment, but a place where we can bless others in the name of Jesus. Our first info meeting for this idea was in the community room which is just on the other side of the front desk over that way. 
And there were 12 of us in attendance, not planned that way. It is a biblical number, which I think is kind of nice. But there were 12 of us who talked about this idea, the vision, the logistics. And then we closed the meeting, just committing it to prayer. And saying, Lord, we have some plans and ideas, but this is yours to do. And we asked that he would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Which sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it, from Ephesians. When we started in the fall of 2009, we started not as a worship service, but with the Alpha course. As I look across the room, I know that a good number of you have participated in that. We've done it three times in 12 years. The Alpha course is a 12-week class that is designed to create a safe place to learn and grow in the basics of the Christian faith. There's no assumptions that are made. Anybody is welcome, even those who are skeptical and might have some critical questions about who is Jesus? How can I trust the Bible? What is prayer? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And Alpha, as you might remember from participating as a large group teaching time, then small group discussion, and a meal. And it is the meal of Alpha that still has led us to have a light breakfast on Sunday mornings today, which is probably somewhat unique to have breakfast in church together. But that was the way that Alpha did it, and that's part of our DNA. The fall of 2009, we offered Alpha in the community room, and out of Alpha, we had a critical mass of people to then start a Sunday morning worship time. And our first worship service was February 14th of 2010. It was a Valentine's Day. It was on that Sunday. The New Orleans Saints had just won the Super Bowl, stymieing Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Anybody else, you remember events of history, how they correlate to sporting events, or is that just me? (laughs) All right, 2010, February 14th, we got started. And after worship in those days, people would stay and circle up these chairs, these very chairs, around tables for what we called seconds. Seconds because you could go get a second helping of breakfast, but also seconds because we could pick up, again, the Scripture passage that we would have just heard preached, and in a different format now, we could discuss it. We could talk about it together. And I treasure those memories from those early weeks and months and years. And the Lord in His grace was answering the prayers of those 12 people who'd first met in the community room about starting a church in the YMCA. Eventually, we moved into the gym. I can tell you for sure that without the acoustic panels that you see up around the walls, it would be impossible to have a worship service in here. So we paid for half, and we were in this half of the gym right here. So the curtain would drop down, and we'd be over here. It was Kelly Otto, who's here this morning, who, with a team created a screen for us to project on that was attached to that curtain. And then we uh, outgrew the half of the gym, and we also outgrew our finances to afford the acoustic panels, and the YMCA said that they would cover the second half on their dime. So they put up the rest of them, we opened the curtain, and this has been our sanctuary ever since. And as I think on these years... I'm just amazed about what the Lord has done. In His way and in His timing, we were able to add kids and student ministry. We were able to add staff. And God has added to our number as He has seen fit. 
And I would have never thought years ago, going into seminary, even coming out of seminary, that I would ever be part of a church plant for starters, let alone a church in a YMCA. And maybe you could think the exact same thing. You would have thought, I, I, I could never imagine that. Isn't it an adventure that the Lord takes us on in our lifetime? Paul's first prayer then is that we would be strengthened and that Christ would take up his permanent residence here. That he would dwell in our hearts. And then look at the second prayer. Let's go there next. This one stretches across verses 17 to 19, but can be summed up like this. Paul says, I pray that you may grasp and know his love. Here's the result. So that God may fill you up in fullest measure. And this image, I, I tried to pick up even by the backdrop that you see on the slide, has come alive for me in recent weeks. We have a nine-month-old baby at our house who I get to feed with a bottle. And when he's in your arms and he's latched onto that bottle, you know how babies will do this. They'll take their little hand and they'll just kind of wrap it around one of your fingers. So there he is, grasping. And he's looking up at me with those big eyes, just in the zone, sucking on that bottle. And for me, it's been a picture of this prayer. To grasp and know God's love, which is also a picture of our mission. God's love for us in Christ is at the center of not only this passage, but our mission. This is why we exist. Now, if we're asking ourselves on January 2nd, with these temperatures that we have, why are we here and not at home in bed? We have to remind ourselves we don't exist to just be a church or attend a worship service. But we exist to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Hopefully that looks familiar. That's our mission statement. Seek Jesus, connect together, share his love. And there's three primary ways that we do that. Things that we ask everyone here at the Y Church to be part of if you want to grow spiritually. And those three things are, correlating to that list, worship, Y group, and serve. I want to say something briefly about each of those three. Worship means making Sunday morning worship a priority in our life and in our schedule. It's easier than ever to walk away right now or to be loosely connected to a church, to sporadically attend a worship service. But you won't grow that way. And you know my heart in this. It's not about church attendance for the sake of the church. It's about my and your spiritual health. The second thing on the list is to be connected to a Y group. Those are the smaller groups that meet within the larger church, meeting in our homes Weekly or bi-weekly, twice a month. Why groups, by the way, are really what correlates to what we did in those early days after church around the table when we would have seconds. Where we'd circle up the chairs and we'd get to go deeper in relationship and in our study of Scripture. And if you're not yet part of a Y group, maybe just in the last couple of years you've started coming here to the Y Church. I can't encourage you enough to sign up in January. This month is going to be sign-up season as we get ready for a new church-wide study that will start in February. And it's an eight-week series that is called Cold Case Christianity. And here's the subtitle. You ready for it? 
a homicide detective investigates the claims of the Gospels. And one of our leadership team members, Ryan Vick, who's seated over there, led us to this resource. I had a chance over Christmas break to review it, and he was absolutely right. This study is going to be fantastic. It is very important that we understand why we believe what we believe. You and I do not want to come here just because we have some wishful thinking that God would actually exist and that he actually loves me and cares for me. You know, we're not here on a dream. But we want to be here because it actually correlates to the truth. And that is what this study picks up. Maybe you have big questions about faith. Maybe even as a believer, you still have some pretty big questions about the reliability of the Bible or who Jesus was. This study is for you. Maybe you'd actually say, I'm I'm not there yet. I'm quite skeptical, actually. But I would be interested to have a place where I can kick the tires and see what this is all about. Maybe you have a friend or a neighbor Think about your neighbors on either side of your house. Or maybe it's a friend or a coworker, somebody at school. This Y group study is just the right thing. There is a book, a study guide. Our Y groups will also be using a video-based feature. So if you've liked some of the video series we've done, that will be available as well. We need this kind of space where we can roll up our sleeves in relationship Because anybody can slide in and out of a seat on Sunday morning. But this takes you to a deeper place where you get to know people and be truly known. That's a Y group. And then the third thing we recommend for everybody that you see up there is finding a way to serve. If the church is a family, then just like a family, it can only function well when everyone contributes. And because we have kids in worship with us today, I just want to ask our kids real quick, Do you have any chores that you have to do at home? How about the Holscher table? Yeah, Brecken or Griffin, what's a chore that you have to do? Empty the dishwasher. Load the dishwasher. Sure, the Jones table back there. Vacuum. Yeah, that was my job as a kid. A lot of stuff. I believe it. And at my house, we have it divvied up so that somebody is doing the dusting Somebody's cleaning the bathroom. Somebody empties the trash. And that's how many hands make light work. That describes the ministry that we get to carry out here together. And if we didn't have somebody setting up tables and chairs every Sunday morning, it would be a little different coming in here to worship. If we didn't have adult leaders who are serving our kids or our students, you know, our young people would pay the price for that. If we didn't have someone clicking slides like Hunter is today in the back, or running our sound system, or musicians up here to lead us, it wouldn't be the same. We'd struggle. There really is something for everybody here. One way to contribute and to serve. Most of our serving teams ask for a once a month commitment. We find that's a very doable yes for most of us. So we invite you to to commit to these three things. You know, I've always thought if you do one of these things, you're just going to kind of bump along. You'll be loosely affiliated to the Y Church. If you do two of these things, you're going to notice it in your life. It's going to make a difference. And if you are doing all three, worship, Y group, serve, that's the sweet spot. That's like hitting the softball right 
on the sweet spot of the bat. And you'll see the spiritual fruit in your life. We invite you to consider these three things. And here again is why. Because in the church, let's bring this back to prayer request number two, right? In Ephesians, that's where we were. This is how we grasp and know Jesus' love. As we're part of this family. So that we can be filled up and fed spiritually in the way that God intends. Paul prays these things for us. And then he finishes with this beautiful doxology in verses 20 to 21. As you think about your life, as you step into this new year, maybe with a renewed sense of hope, maybe with some trepidation. Anybody feeling a little gun shy after, you know, stepping into 2021? Things were going to look up after 2020. But maybe this is the way to frame it. Where Paul says, after these two prayer requests, he says, now to him... Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine? According to his power, there's that word from Katie with the kids that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That's the way that we want to frame 2022. That God would be glorified. That's the reason we exist. To bring him praise. That he would be glorified in the church throughout all generations. Ages 0 to 99. I don't know if we have anybody up above 99 yet. But throughout all generations, Paul says, forever and ever. That means both on earth in this lifetime that he's given us and with the church triumphant. That means the saints in heaven for all eternity. I want to pray with us as we close the message. I'm going to borrow some words. Uh, sometimes I find words for prayer just going back to the Psalms. And maybe two for you that can be a place to run to. And So words from Psalm 34 and Psalm 8 as we bow our heads together. Lord, let me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Lord, let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime, Lord, is as nothing in your sight. And yet, what is man that you are mindful of him? Lord, this does correspond to the truth that you have authored over all the universe, that you see me. You see each one, Lord, here around these tables. You see Roy and Kathy and Sophia and Linda and Jim. And not a name is excluded from your list. Lord, you put air in our lungs this morning. You woke us up so we could meet the day and meet the new year with you. Lord, there is a great need for hope. Maybe some of us, Lord, have woke up to it in greater measure than others. There's probably much news that would bring us 
fear or anxiety or stress. Lord, our prayer is that you would lead us with newfound courage and faith into this new year. Lord, we ask, as Paul prayed, that you would strengthen us by the power of your Spirit in our inner being, that you may dwell in our hearts forever. We love you, Lord. All we can offer you is our worship and praise. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.